Welcome to Opening the Door Podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today you'll hear a conversation I had with Maggie about ancestor work. I loved chatting with Maggie about how to honor and connect with our ancestors a little bit more. Also, throughout this episode, we talk about how important our natural environment is to take care of. And as you might know, that's a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm glad that we could pull the thread through of the natural environment through this whole conversation. If you love this episode and want to support the podcast, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. Enjoy and remember, don't be afraid to open your door. Today, we're welcoming Maggie to Opening the Door. Maggie Lynn Negretti is a storyteller and cheerleader of curiosity available for commissioned illustration, lettering, divination, and educational experiences. Negretti's visual art focuses on hand lettering, portraiture, and technical illustrations, including infographics for freelance clientele, as well as occult and botanical designs for individual merchandising under the brand name La Mama Magia. As La Mama Magia, Negretti's flagship products include the Libros Brujito series of workbooks for young children and Astro Cardamancy, a playing card deck illustrated for divination using an astrology system. Additionally, Negretti utilizes this cardomancy system to provide supportive divination services to private clientele. Welcome, Maggie, to Opening the Door. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you sort of like all about witchcraft, your creativity, and and how it all flows together. So excited to jump into this conversation. Tell me a little bit about your personal spiritual journey. Where did it start for you and how did you get to the powerful place that you are today? That's a, I'll try to keep it brief. I feel like it's, it is a long story. Um, We love hearing long stories here. As (laughs) as much detail as you want to get into or not get into, we are totally happy to hear. I am you know, I was raised going to church with my grandparents, uh, my mother and I lived with them when I was young. So, you know, they were going on Sundays, so we were going to. And I was in Sunday school and loved to sing in the choir. I mean, I still find like church songs are some of the best, some of the best people were writing back in the day. But I I was learning about like Noah, right? And they're like, oh, he lived to be something like 400 years old and his sons were these hundreds of years old. And I remember asking my mom, because I felt a lot of cognitive dissonance. I was like, how how could people live that long when they didn't have hospitals or medicine and doctors and stuff that we have now? And you know, my mother is not a biblical scholar for sure. And she was like, I have, I don't really know. I think God kept them alive. And that, that to me just didn't make sense. And I quickly jumped to the thought, okay, well, this is just a fairy tale. Like my other books, I was very, I was, I, I was an early, early reader. So I was inhaling, especially fantasy, all like Victorian children's stories, which are all so magic filled and wonder. So yeah, I was like, the Bible seems like it's just another storybook. And I started distancing myself away from like, actually thinking like, oh, is the big G-O-D real. And that kind of opened me up as a young kid to be like, okay, well, what else is, what else are people like talking about 
Um, my mom actually would take me to see like Buddhist monks. And I had my first like real religious experience when I was in third grade. And we were visiting uh, uh, one of the, the, yo the yogi Ravi Shankar. And he was like visiting Pittsburgh and was just in somebody's like front room in Dormont. Like some Indian families like just welcomed him in. And so we were there and I just remember like playing with the other kids and seeing all the like adults like meditating. And I looked up at him and felt like I could see this energy radiating off of him and was like, whoa, this is what I more imagine fellowship and uh, spirituality would look and feel like and how and seeing that energy like coming from him. So when in those young years, I feel like Eastern religions, Buddhism, and learning about a little bit of Hinduism kind of came up it, alongside my interest in more pagan spirituality. I mean, I'm a child of the of the 90s. Uh, so there was that rise of Wicca that was going on at the time, where you could actually find like, a t I, I still have my teen witch book that I bought when I was nine. And I thought it was so cool because I bought a book that said teen on it. <laughs> but, you know, my my family was very much, they were gardeners. We were, we loved to go camping and be out in nature. So I felt a strong connection to place and natural spirits and, and the wind. I used to talk to the, to thunderstorms, you, you know, into adolescence. And I still very much feel like, yeah, no, I have some weather witch magic that I, I practice today. But so those those kind of came up together. Um, and my idea, I kind of think of my personal beliefs as some kind of transcendental shamanism, where I, I, I do believe in reincarnation, that kind of spiritual energy conservation. I believe in, in land spirits, I, I believe in, you know, so I have so many different eclectics connections, I think, because I kind of pushed away what was my immediate cultural religious beliefs and just kind of was like, what else? There's got to be more out there than what I have in my small town. So I think that's the maybe the, the best way to encapsulate it in a in, in a short amount of time otherwise we could talk for the rest <laughs> of this hour yeah absolutely i i just love hearing everybody's journeys everybody's journeys tend to have obviously we're all living a human experience some there's some similarities but there's also so many you know differences in everybody's story and how they came to like understand the world around them so i just love hearing people's stories so when you sort of came to witchcraft or and and sort of a different understanding of religion as you move through that like what does witchcraft mean to you and what do your practices mean to you in your daily life so i've definitely tried to like reclaim that word witch too because i i come from you know my family background it's a lot of catholicism and i kind of feel like my my role at, in this incarnation is in part to break away from the past and like the the real you know there's a colonialism in my you know history in my family like 
there's the immigrant experience, but there's, you know, white supremacy has taken a lot of identity away from um, my ancestors, and then also the religions that we practiced before Catholicism. So I try not to be antagonistic towards that, but I really feel like it's part of my job to whisper to my ancestors, it's, it's okay that I'm a witch. You know, it's okay that I'm growing these plants. It's okay that I'm telling people about these things. So there's, there, I, I feel that trauma in our family, in my family history. So I do feel like it's, it's, it's a huge act of reclamation. I feel like that's another part of my role in this, in this, uh, in this lifetime is a lot of cultural spiritual reappropriation taking those things back from what was denied wow that is so so powerful i mean even as you were saying it like total goosebumps it just feels like living in your own power such a powerful thing that you can do individually and i think that is amazing and and so so important for the time that we're living in today. So awesome that you're doing that. Since you mentioned your ancestry, one thing that you have in your Instagram bio is the phrase honoring my ancestors. And I would just love for you, you obviously just touched on it a little bit to um, like speak a little bit more on that and share some things that you do within your practice to honor your sacred ancestry. So, you know, I, I was raised definitely with a lot of again, there's a lot of Catholicism. So it's like you light a candle for who you're thinking about, who's passed, if they've long passed. So, you know, my my ancestry is in part very Italian. I have Mexican. And then I also have like some Irish, German, and they're, they're Protestant. But the Catholics, you know, ancestry, spirits, like your your family is still there. So that's, I think that's a big part of it is just never feeling like they're actually gone. You know, like when I was a little girl, my one, one of my like great grandmothers actually like protected me. Her spirit was there. Um, and I was an only child. So I was playing alone. My mom and my grandfather worked in our family print shop like in a building just outside the house. So they weren't far, but I was by myself. And so as a young kid, I saw her and eventually related to them like, oh, there's this woman that sits with me when I'm playing and she, this is what she looks like. And I call her grandma Sarah. And like my grandfather just like went white cause that was his grandmother's name. And she had raised him and his two siblings after his mother died after childbirth complications. So like, I, it just, family's always there, even if they're not corporeal. So I've felt that from a young age. And now that I'm older, like I've definitely lost some important people in my life, obviously grandparents, my father. And so it's honoring them is just daily practice. Um, it's, for some of my family, you know, I try to do it through like the cultural reappropriation, right? Like cooking the food, not forgetting those recipes, um, trying to make sure I, I share these things and these stories with my, my daughter, who's just four now, and make her feel like they're there. And then there's, you know, my, my 
one grandfather was a printer. He, you know, he's the person who taught me a lot of love of gardening. Um, my mom too, like, and just like very making art and being a part of our community. So it's, well, I do still like candles like I did with my grandmother when we go into churches. I have an altar with pictures of them that I keep, you know, by our bedside. So it's, they're always there, but it's also just like putting on a song that you know, that I know that they would like and just kind of being with them in that moment and trying to be the best person I can be and be the best mom for, you know, their great, 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 great granddaughter or whatever. Um, so it's, it's daily practice. There is definitely, you know, a little, my altar, my witchcraft, but I think a lot of my magic is about staying in flow and trying to make sure that I'm in the groove. I don't I don't try to lean on spell work or, or petitioning my ancestors for things. Some I have told some like, hey, like we need to chill out. <laughs> I, sometimes when you work with ancestors a lot, they will meddle. Mm. Yeah, they kind of have that family connection where they want to <laughs> like, they want to get their yeah. hands in a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, well, you're listening. So right. Yeah. Like we're connected. I'm here. Weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are some things that you do like to stay in that flow? If if you're, I mean, obviously daily spell work is a lot of work anyway. Um, but so what are some of the things that you do to sort of stay within, you know, your own power and and your own life flow? I think that that answer is also similar to like answers for like ADHD, where it's like having visual reminders and I think that's a, like a powerful thing about magic is having sigils in places that remind you of the work and the energies and the protection that you have I mean with with ancestors it's you know having just photos of them everywhere um, making sure that we have a space you know I have my private altar but we have like our family pictures out that we can see them and uh, make sure that we're keeping that top of mind, but also just being in my garden. That's a huge one. So when it's winter time and I can't be outside, I feel like it's then being in the kitchen. So having that seasonal flow where I'm very much like, oh, okay, like this year, because it's been so warm, I'm like, the violets are four weeks early. Like, and everybody's like, this is great. I love it. And I'm like, guys, I'm freaking out. I know. Energy's I'm, wrong. I'm so the afraid. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, this is the, the vibe is off guys. I don't know if you could tell, but the vibe is off. So yes, that's, that's a big part is that seasonal flow. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do, when I do spell work, it's usually only on the, my big solstice equinox times. I, I do practice astrology, so I am, I'm, I tie things in specifically when I know there are important uh, eclipses in, in certain signs. Like right now, we're just finishing up the Taurus Scorpio eclipse seasons. Like we'll have just a little touch and then we'll have to kind of wait until we get to Libra for, for the next cycle. So I do try to time things that way. Um, I practice astro herbalism. So I'm interested in making and harvesting plants on auspicious days at auspicious times. 
I think it helps. I definitely, and just knowing, I think the bit about astrology is like, it's, it's like being able to open up the watch and see the clockwork a little. And so that helps me think, stay in flow. Cause I'm like, okay, well, this is just a, this is just part of the cycle, right? If I maybe feel out of place, it's not because me, I'm out of place. Maybe we're just in a different energy flow at the moment and I need to learn how to best use it and not go against it because I have an idea of what every, how everything should work out. Right. Mm, yes. Yeah. That's really cool. Oh yeah. I feel like surrender, <laughs> the word allowing, like all that stuff within spirituality, whether you're doing like psychic mediumship work or yeah, working within astrology, astrological energies or anything like that. That's a lot about what it is, you know, allowing, allowing your own energy to flow, allowing it to flow the way that it needs to without all this resistance to how you should be acting or how you should be thinking or, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And there's definitely always, you know, that room for improvement as human beings. We can think about what, who we want to be, but yeah, there's a lot of that. I think really important with energy work is allowing the flow for sure. Astro herbalism. That's really cool. I haven't not heard of that. So I know you, you described it a little bit, but are there any specific herbs that you like to work with specifically or that you grow in your own garden? Yeah. So in my garden right now, I'm going to have to like go around in a circle to make sure I hit everything. And I, try to try to fill my garden with perennials wayside plants medicinal plants i i'm not i'm not into the grind of of ornamental annual plants mm-hmm. uh, especially because most of those are not native yeah, yeah so i'm like if i'm gonna have a non-native plant in my garden it's gonna be useful and um you know it's gonna be hardy so i've got got a white grape, I've got lemon balm, I've got blackberry, spearmint, raspberry, blueberry, uh, culinary sage, feverfew, rue, nettle, beach roses, thyme, oregano, St. John's wort, mugwort, motherwort, uh, spearleaf plantain, comfrey, and that's in the backyard. That's like where more of my medicinals are. I also grow Datura Rite, which is a really incredible poisonous grandmother spirit. Oh, like I've I do try to practice um, like plant spirit communication and have I I talk to my plants, you know, and yep. Yep. Um, I feel their energy. Like when we've had these advances that are showing us how plants communicate and how they're making sounds. I'm like, yo, I've been, you can hear them. You're like, I'm already <laughs> hearing it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I, I knew they were talking to us. Like they've been talking to us. Yeah, those are my, those are my big ones in the backyard. And in the summer, I'll put parsley and basil and bring out rosemary and stuff. So herbs. That is amazing. That sounds, I mean, that is a full, a full witch's garden, I would say, right? (laughs) I've got a good amount of stuff. I'm always trying to uh, tweak things and see, because I like to use my plants. I I think that's part of my relationship with them is they know that I care for them and I use them to their full potential, right? Like they're not just sitting in an empty lot, 
they're actually, you know, I use my mugwort for smoking blends and teas and I, I make uh, smoke sticks and bundles. So they, they get used and they get shared. So it, I think that's, that's an important um, agreement that I have with them. I love that. I think that is really cool. I, I have zero outdoor space right now in the place where I live, hoping to change that sometime soon. But um, yeah, that just sounds like such a dream. I have a very small backyard. Um, I I own my home, thankfully, but it's when I bought it, it had a it's like a big cement pad in the backyard. And I live in, in a city, so I don't have much else. Yeah. Uh, so just that little that little strip in the back. And then I have a little strip in the front. Those are my only spots and I, I do a lot. I yeah, you surely do. You take a lot of advantage of the space you have, which I feel like is just like another great way to be in your power, right? It's like, okay, this is the space that I have. This is what I can do with it. And you have absolutely done that. So that is Yeah. So cool. And a lot of these medicinal plants, they're usually plants that are really, really super hardy, really good at holding soil too. And that's something I think about is a lot of, you know, being in the city, being in such a concrete jungle, there's not good water runoff. So the plants that we use, we need to make sure they're going to actually like support our ecosystem and not just kind of drain it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm fighting spotted lanternflies right now so oh, yeah. Talk yeah. about being in the flow to me it's it's about ecosystems yeah and i think when you step back and look at an ecosystem from a more like a nature naturalistic point of view i think a lot of people view ecosystems as like humans as the apex and like everything else flows around but i think when you like this is how i like to view it is like human beings being part of the circle rather than being like the center of the whole earth's universe. Right. It doesn't make any sense anyway to be that way. And I think we're starting to see that with climate change um, and the way that we have treated our natural environments for a long time. We're starting to see um, that it really doesn't make sense to be the center of all of this. Um, so yeah, love. Very important that you mentioned that for sure. No, it's, I, so I'm in Pittsburgh I'll place myself uh, and we have terrible air quality. Um, we, our land really is try. It's so beautiful. We have such like gorgeous rivers, right? And hills, but there's such a toxic history of corporations and industry that have polluted the soil, polluted the air. And yeah, it's, it's really sad that on like a beautiful day, we have an air quality alert. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't even necessarily want to go out into the garden. I might wear a mask. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a devastating part of about realizing, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I, I can definitely relate to that. Like it brings just this absolute, I'm in, I'm in the Philadelphia area actually. So we okay. just had yeah. that weird. The vinyl. Uh, like, so yeah. So, and you can, yeah, right. So, and you can see it happening all over Ohio. I mean, it, it's devastating when, yeah. And I think that that can really like the way that I'm feeling right now, talking about it can really sort of one, it grounds you in your reality that this is where you're living on earth. Right. And two, it almost kind of kicks me personally, like out of the flow, right? Like just in terms of worry and stuff. Do you have any tips for sort of like keeping in your flow when you have that type of 
like eco anxiety or just sort of like, you know, regular old life's kind of knocking at the door? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> if you don't, uh, that is fine, but I'm just yeah, thinking think, like, yeah, uh, you know, it's again, it's like, go like going back to, well, where do you, where do you find the flow? Right. It's getting in the garden. It's like the other day I was, I just like baked some bread and sometimes it's, you know, I think staying informed is really important. So it's like, you can't hide from the injustice in the world. Like we do, I think as a, as a witch, you know, my magic isn't going to work if we don't have a healthy planet. So it's, it's something that I, I fight for, but there are times where you do have to, you have to step out of that anxiety and just take a moment to ground yourself maybe it's maybe it's looking to an ancestor like and you know i think i i tap into my dad a lot he loved to tell stories about protesting the vietnam war and uh, i like to draw upon his strength and say like okay dad like i don't really want to be the activist today and i can hear him say like well maggie all work and no play makes for a very dull boy and being like, you can always like come back tomorrow. You know, you can take mm -hmm. care of yourself today and be in the fight tomorrow. And sometimes it uh, requires accepting that you have a different offering today than maybe you were able to before. So that's, I try to, yeah, ground in sort of the advice of my ancestors ground in back to the, find that rhythm again of the home the, like being part of nature you know touch some grass as people say touch grass <laughs> one of my favorite phrases <laughs> you know, like yes touch some grass like quite literally um and yeah so just like that's really it's coming back to spirit yeah. right because it's I really feel like it's it we've so many people have come so far from the earth. I agree that we've it, it, they just have objectified it. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lost in capitalism. It is a resource, and right. that's it. Like a resource to be exploited. It's extractive, right. right? And and when we zoom out, like we were talking about, looking at it within a circle rather than a triangle, you can see that that is that that could never work you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm very non-hierarchical in my, in my perspective of humanity and spirit. Um, I think that's probably like was inborn since I was like, maybe the big G-O-D isn't real. <laughs> like, Sky Daddy, yeah. you're rude. <laughs> you know? If, um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it so much in our society, we have hierarchies everywhere. Class, religion, um, you know, um, gender. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Species. But, you know, if you want to get that, like, it is really everywhere. So, yeah, sort of deprogramming from that is an important experience. And, like, I definitely think, especially, like, growing up in America, like, you... I mean, I'm sure other places too, but that's where I grew up. And that's, you know, it's it's sort of ingrained in you a little bit. So taking the time to just try to shed some of that, I think is important for sure. No, it it is. And and that's I think like to tie it back to that ancestor work, you know, I 
I have, I've mentioned, I have like that one grandfather who was the printer and, you know, he, he was Irish, Austrian something, but he would always just say, you know, we're Americans. He didn't have a lot of strong, like cultural heritage that he felt, you know, drawn to. So I didn't, I didn't get that from him. Right. So, you know, but I got, I got plenty of, you know, Anglo-centered stuff otherwise. But what I got from him was a lot of the still that that work ethic, those very, you know, Protestant things that built this country. And so I have found it to be a little tricky working with him sometimes and, and working with his impression on my personality as I try to honor him and say hey you got me pretty far in life with teaching me these things and all the other things i'm always going to do my art the gardening da 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 but i'm not rejecting you when i reject the hustle and the you have to work constantly you know i'm that's i need to reject capitalism and the pain it put on our whole family and even if that sat looks like I'm saying I don't want to follow your the path you had for me, it's it's not you. It's the bigger thing. So that's the tricky thing sometimes with ancestors is yeah, they, they were such a part of that that system. And you know, it's same thing with like the Catholicism. It's like I'm not rejecting you and the thing you believed in so deeply. I'm re I'm rejecting the system. And that's hard for that's hard for the ancestors to sometimes put their brains around. Yeah, totally. Like as we were talking, um, and then you brought it up, which I think is a great synchronicity. Is just like, yeah, you you know, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to start maybe some more ancestor work and stuff, they still their personality is intact, their experiences are intact. So when you're choosing an ancestor to work with. Yeah, like that's some of that stuff is going to come through. Um, and so using discernment, I think, is a really important thing. Like, are they saying that because of their lived experience um, or are they saying that because, you know, this is the right thing for me to do or, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely discernment with all of that type of work. So if somebody is I, I have absolutely loved this conversation so far, by the way, I love the environmental thread we have moving through. If somebody is like looking to, as I just mentioned, sort of like ancestor work sounds interesting to them what are some things that they can do to sort of start or if they're like you like you mentioned your grandfather maybe a little bit more disconnected from their ancestry like what are some things that they can do to sort of dig back in those roots and and connect maybe to ancestral herbs or ancestral I don't know um uh, ritual or, or anything like that well I think if you you know I want to like first make space for people who are adopted who don't have a direct connection to you know their blood relatives you know that makes this process so much harder yes. um and so just like honoring that space in this conversation because that's usually the first place we go is family is you know i i really enjoyed hearing my older aunts uncles cousins talk. I, I was the only kid around usually in a room full of older people. So collecting those stories, if you have access to family members, 
write them down that that was the biggest the biggest regret i think i have and i feel like my dad has in his you know after he passed was that he didn't write things down and i had asked him to like create a blog with all of his stories because even my aunts have said oh he was the memory of the family he knew everything and so i i i I think the important part of the of ancestry work is just really holding those stories and making if you want to do this you have to be that person that's going to be the the library um you know i was lucky that when um my grandfather uh, my mexican grandfather had passed before i was born but his younger brother um, was a huge family genealogist so I would go through the family tree and listen him tell stories. And, and that's how I got a lot of information about my Mexican family, even though I didn't have a lot of them around. So that's the first step I think is just like going and trying to get the stories of the past because you'll like, I feel like personalities are, it's, it, it, you know, it comes, it goes down the line and and sometimes how you'll finally learn why your family does one thing or another you know my family was not nobody were really big drinkers i was i was like always thought it was strange when i'd people kids would say though their parents would go to the bars and stuff because my family didn't really drink and it was all because of like great grandfather ebenezer who was a really bad drunk and the whole family like wore off the drink for many years. Yeah. So having those stories to inform why you do things, that's like the most important. I really love that we have access to DNA testing now. That's, I think it's not 100% accurate, but it can at least give us like point us towards regions. And so to your question about like what plants to work with, if you say do not have access to family, you know, nobody in your family likes plants. <laughs> if you can do DNA, you can say, okay, well, I know that I have ancestry from the Mediterranean region. Um, so there's going to be a ton of plants that are, you know, and that's a great point with like, you know, I grow culinary sage in part because most of my ancestry is from that region where sage is from. I have started to dabble in growing some white sage, but it's not working out for me as well. Um, in part because I think like our energies aren't just there together yet, but that's a great way. You can find regions to find out where those plants are from. And that's likely what your family was using way back when to heal and create as offering. So stories, DNA, at least to get you started, right? And yeah. then I think the next step is finding the folklore Ooh, and starting wow. to read the different mythos from those regions. And that can give you a better worldview of what your ancestors were um, living in way back when. So yeah, that's a really was, fun part. I was huge into the folklore. Like I have a degree in Latin American studies because I was like, I need to understand my Mexican heritage better. And if you don't have a lot of Hispanics around you, like I looked at the census and in 1990, 
I was one of six Latinos in my hometown. Wow. So, and and I didn't live with my father or his side of the family. So I didn't even know those other five. <laughs> um, so if you are displaced, right, from your culture, unfortunately, sometimes academia is a place where you can find a lot of resources, but we have to be really mindful that especially a lot of early research on ancient cultures is done by, you know, barons, like yeah. moneyed white, especially British mm-hmm. men. Um, so there's a different, there's a different twist to how those things are described. And sometimes they're very much complete inaccurate. So that's I, I put that caveat out to people as they're starting to look at resources, um, trying to find good research about the culture and practices of their ancestors. Look when it's written, look who wrote it, where are they from? Are they actually speaking from their own culture or describing one that's not their own? Yes. So, Great tips. I love that. Yeah, the folklore is is a really fun part of it for me, at least. My grandfather on my mom's side is Canadian and he grew up, his family for a very long time was Mennonite. Like he isn't anymore, obviously, but um, there's a lot of very specific folklore that comes from like the Netherlands through Germany. Yeah. Um, And it's so strange and specific and he has some stories that like he claims he saw this uh I can't remember the name of it but he claims he saw this like what I would describe as as a kind of like a cryptid type thing um on top of his house one time in Canada and he was convinced that he but when he told me the name of it and I started trying to find any stories of it on the internet I could not find anything so it can be really fun but it can also be really mysterious um so yeah I I totally am a big proponent for people like diving into their like folklore as as far as you want to go back in your um like connection so very cool in your bio you also talked a little bit about astrocardomancy and I am wondering if you can describe what that is for us and about the specific deck that you designed yeah so I'm still finishing up some designs because of course I can never be done with this project. It's it's totally ever evolving. Uh, but I, th- I think it was like 2012, I had this big brain idea or something. I was, I love playing cards. That's another thing I've, I've inherited from my, the printer grandfather. He was always, he taught me how to shuffle at a young age. And so I, I've always had, playing cards around. Um, I had started a collection of playing card decks when I was in college and I was shuffling through them and I was like, so connecting back to Buddhism, if the universe can fit within a single atom, like we have this concept of like the micro is a reflection of the macro and vice versa, then that makes divination like at least, you know, that makes it sound like, yes, if you can just learn the system with which to read that, then of course you can be able to see the whole universe and all the aspects of it. That makes total sense. Can I do that with these playing cards? And, you know, I, I could have stopped there and like looked up on the internet playing card divination. And there are many 
ways to do it. They pre-exist the tarot for, for divination. But in that moment, I just felt very drawn towards, well, if I'm going to create a divination, if I'm going to divine, I need to find the system that makes the most intuitive sense to me. And so that led me to just to use astrology because I've been reading about astrology for had an interest since I was young and got really deep into it in college, finally able to collect people's birth charts and everything. So I was like, okay, well, there's four suits. That's the four elements. Duh. Uh, There's, you know, there's three face cards. So, well, three is like, there's cardinal fixed and mutable energy every season in astrology. And well, there's four suits, four times three is 12. That's all the signs of the Zodiac. Perfect. Um, So it fits so perfectly. And so then ace through 10 is like the sun, moon and the planets in including what we would say in the modern planets, not just the traditional planets. So I was like, well, that that's it. That all the planets and all the luminaries go through all this, the, the four elements and I've got all the zodiacs. So, well, there we go. <laughs> um, and I've just been reading ever since and, and developing spreads for the, the cards. And um, when people have a reading with me, I, I tell them, you know, this isn't tarot. Um, different tarot decks definitely have different personalities and like ways of communicating but you know I find tarot is often you know sort of a very direct and a little bit abrasive at times <laughs> um my cards in this system I think it's re- it's all about potentials so it they're never going to say like the worst is going to happen but they're going to let you know when there's a time of great change and I definitely take a little bit more of the modern astrology, psychology influenced vibe where it's, you have the free will to use the energy, whether to, to your benefit or not at all, right? And that's your choice. You can be informed of what's coming. And that's what I try to do for clients is help them have a kind of new vocabulary for whatever they're experiencing to have a little foresight of how to best use their time and energy like it might not be the time to focus on xyz right now because you need to focus on another yeah so yeah it's i definitely think it's effective it's proven accurate i would i'm definitely interested in as i finish the deck formally seeing what happens when other people really start getting access to it. Cause a big part of the deck is also like writing the book, the explanation. And I'm just, I mean, I'm excited to see what people do with the system and as they learn it, because I feel like I, especially since I made it, I feel very like humble with it. So I'm sure there's somebody out there that will be able to find crazy and wild, amazingly accurate predictions using it that I just feel like as the creator that I'm, I have to like be calm and not try to push towards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
oh well I made this thing and it's right it's not hundreds of years old (laughs) that is so cool though and I think that really speaks to the power that we all have within us to divine information like you can use yourself as a channel to divine information you can use a bunch of stones in a bag that you found at the creek to divine information like there's a million different tools that you can use through your own power and I think yeah like I could use I I have like a old tea thing full of pens here like I could use this somehow if I created a system right, right. to divine information and I I just think that that that's really cool um, I I did have a, a co-worker I I used to run after school programming and I had a I had a teacher who was also a witch and we would sometimes take the kids like random flashcards or just, you know, they'd have like picture cards and stuff because these were elementary kids. Sometimes we'd take those and do just like random readings, like just flipping these just not meant for divination at all. Right. And, you know, I think one, you just kind of like speak, you have to speak into the cards a little, let them know like, hey, we're yes. going to have some fun. But it's amazing what you can do if you if you trust your intuition and and that's why i think it's so hard for people to read for themselves right yes because they're 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 getting too much cross chatter (laughs) and that's really hard to to separate and so i mean i give readings i pull tons of different cards for myself but i all i still have to reach out to people and be like, Hey, I need, I need my own reading. It's like, I've got, I've got too much up in my brain. Yep. I agree. I, I, I love pulling Oracle for myself or talking to my guides and and channeling information, but yeah, there's something about like sort of sitting back and relaxing and having somebody else, you know, a third party sort of pop in and, and channel information for you for sure. So totally agree with that. You do a lot of creative work too, as we mentioned in your bio. So how do you use your spiritual practices in your creative work? Or do you feel like any of your creative work is like channeled? So, yeah, I, like in my bio, you read it. I have like the freelance, very commission-based. And that's like my more like, those are more corporate and private clients. And that's a very much, you know, I get the, I get the prompt and I answer, which is, mm-hmm. a a flow of art that I enjoy. Like I'm going to solve an art problem. You know, someone's got a problem. Here I am with my, with my tablet and Apple pencil, I'm going to solve it. But then when I am looking for my own artistic flow and just like what flows out of me when I'm not thinking about what somebody else wants, right. When I'm not trying to solve their problem, what, what is just my, what's my joy in that creation? And so that's where I've really come to a lot of uh, like these radial patterns. So sort of mandala-esque. And that is a very meditative thing to just draw lots of little tiny things. I I do have um, a his like a history of working in like indie comics so I love I, I love to cartoon. I don't think I'm a, a competent cartooner to make like a whole graphic novel, but I can cartoon adorable little mother warts and like crystals and uh, pendulums. And 
and create um create work that you know is uh, very personal to me but is also fun to put on a bandana and yeah. i did a you know connecting to our our conversation about sort of being radical witches i made a radical witch bandana and it like has in the bottom like i'm a radical witch and it has like Love you know that. protest symbols and astrological and witchy symbols of change and protection and so that's fun to then share with people because i get to see it around town too from like these people i'm like oh man they're cool <laughs> And they happen to be wearing my bandana. Like that is so awesome. I love that. That's so cool. Oh well, yeah, it's 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 fun, and, and that's part of it. But then, of course, the my libros brujitos. That's where I kind of bring in my education side too. So I do have like a certificate in early education. Um, I've worked with kids for a really long time. I mean, talk about being in flow. Kids are a great way to check your energy and um, they're so much more in touch with with things in that way. So I've always enjoyed working with them and being an educator, I was like, I wanna introduce kids to these concepts about spirituality, about herbalism, about astrology in a way that is just really playful. I'm much, when I work with kids, I'm very much more focused on process versus having like a beautiful final product all the time, right? Yeah. Um, so I created these reusable workbooks that are one part mandala, but have like, you know, everything's bilingual in English and Spanish. And they're just, they're coloring books that you can wipe clean and do again. So they're nearly indestructible. You can hand them to a toddler and a baby and they can't rip them. But I, adults really like them too. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, I think that part of, part of me coming into my witchy identity is just finding how I can leverage the, you know, the experiences that I've had professionally, but also, again, you know, I come from educators, I come from artists and designers, and I, I know that there are things that I get to do in this lifetime that my ancestors never dreamt possible or wished or hoped and didn't get to accomplish. And so I'm like, okay, I gotta, in a, it, not pressure to, but feel empowered to go for those things that I, you know, live the life that I know I want to have and they want for me and, and make sure that my daughter's getting that too. Mm, yeah. That really reminds me. I, I saw something on the internet in the past few years that was like, you know, our, our ancestors put in so much hard work and, and they would be so disappointed that, you know, we don't want to work as hard anymore, like blah, blah. And, and somebody answered and was like, my ancestors would be proud as hell that I don't have to do the things that they had to do. And I just love that perspective. And yeah, I don't know. I just felt the need to mention that. Like, don't, I don't know if anybody's listening and feeling guilty that they're not living some sort of sameness as their ancestors. Like I, your ancestors are probably on the other side, happy as hell that you are safe and happy and have food, you, you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I, I absolutely agree because 
I think it's really easy to mythologize the past, to imagine that it was some idea, it was so much better. But, you know, I think a great example of this is when people talk about water. Oh, our water is not safe to drink. Honey, it was never safe to drink. That's why humans were making beer and, and became lactose tolerant was because people were pooping in the creek and, <laughs> and, 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 and throwing dead bodies and animals, you know, like we, our water wasn't necessarily clean yeah. before it's dirty in a different way. Mm -hmm. now that's the big difference yes yeah um, yeah great point not to say that like it, it was there's a reason why we've sought comfort it's because humanity has had a pretty hard go of it before we had all of this technological advancement Mm -hmm. Well, Maggie, it has been so much fun chatting with you. I've absolutely loved this. I'm going to ask you one last question. What can someone who's listening right now do in their daily life to open their door a little bit more to their own abilities? Ooh, good question. One thing. Oh, man. I think, I think a really important thing to do is just find time to meditate, find time for some mental quietness so that you can let let energy in. So I think the important thing is finding what meditation works for you. Um, Cause there's, it doesn't have to look like sitting with your legs crossed. You know, it doesn't have to look one way. Meditation could be, I, I like to do solar meditation. So I will just stand close eyed facing the sun and just open myself up that way and just try to let that light burn away anything that's holding me back from just being a conduit and so but you can maybe find but if your medit your meditation might be hiking and keeping your eye fixed on like the horizon how it, it could just be sitting and looking at one cloud and just trying to find that quiet but however works for you take just start with one minute. Sometimes too long. You meditate too long, you can get a little squirrely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like release the expectation that it has to be, it has to look right. Mm -hmm. It has to be, you have to be in it for a long time. It Moments, I think, are the most important. Just moments. Thank you again so, so much, Maggie, for being here. Oh, why don't you tell people where they can find you? So my online princess is La Mama Magia. So L-A-M-A-M-A-M-A-G-I-A. -A -A -A. Uh, I'm on Instagram and TikTok. I am, I don't know when you're releasing this, but the the month, the early month of May, I am I have a lot of um, travel for beautiful, wonderful things, but I am also taking a little social media quiet time to be present for those. So if you're hearing this before that, <laughs> I might be a little quiet, but we'll be getting ready for some some big stuff this summer. Um, there's going to be some new books coming out, some new Libros Projitos. So keep your eyes peeled. Wonderful, Maggie. Thank you so, so much again for this enlightening conversation. Thank you for finding me and bringing me on. This is wonderful. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, follow along on Instagram at Opening the Door Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email openingthedoorpodcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.